Greeny with Mike Greenberg, the podcast. Back and better than ever, Greeny, presented by Progressive Insurance. James packed on this Wednesday in the midst of this extraordinary stretch on the sports calendar. The baseball is coming fast and furious as the Phils just look unstoppable. Football Week 7 will kick off tomorrow night, plus plenty of college to talk about. Let's do this thing. Here we go! Only one place to start. All right, we will start with football today as we have Jeff Saturday and Kmart, Kimberly Martin, good enough to hang out after we wrap up Get Up this morning and a lot of good fun that we've, we've had over the last couple of hours. And I want to start with something that might be just a little bit different here. Um, but Kmart, you made a fascinating analogy this morning, and I think it'll lead us to a really interesting place. For those of you who are not with us on the TV show, I'll have Kmart reenact what I thought was a brilliant, <laughs> dramatic performance on the show. As you watch the Dallas Cowboys, uh, Bubba, you will particularly find this interesting. <laughs> As you watch Dak Prescott and the Dallas Cowboys play offense on Monday night, what thoughts came to your mind? They are a tasty group, right? But it reminds me of fine dining at a three-star Michelin restaurant where the food is delectable, but the portions are very small and by the end of the night, you've had a good night, but you're kind of left feeling a little unsatisfied, like you wanted more. You wanted the entrees to be bigger. And I think that's how I felt after the Chargers game. I was so impressed with Dak. I felt that was his best game. I was so impressed that they finally got CeeDee Lamb involved. We saw Brandon Cooks. We saw how this offense should look at times, but we've been waiting for Dak to use his legs. We've been waiting for CD lamb to get involved. And that's why I say the portions are too small. It's still early in the season, but I think the me not feeling satisfied comes from what was said in the off season about this offense. And, Mike McCarthy talking about how it would be aggressive and Dak saying this is this offense is about me being more comfortable and yet it we're still kind of waiting so it it takes it tastes good but just want a little more guys what do you think of the analogy Jeff I love the analogy. I think yeah, when we heard it at first, I was I, I got a giggle on because it, it and it is true. Like if you're a Cowboys and and you're accustomed to the Kellen Moore offense that's number one in the league the last mm-hmm. however many years, um, but they can't find a ways to win. So McCarthy's making his adjustments. He's making his change. You know, from McCarthy's perspective, he's seen a time of possession change for four minute extra four minutes uh, per game, a, a positive uh, play differential of, of forty five plays. So he's doing it. I mean, even in that ugly game. He he, and they couldn't run the football. Dak is by far their leading rusher. He rushed it equally the amount of times as he throws it. So I mean, you know, McCarthy is playing to what he said he was going to do. Unfortunately, the penalties set them back, and then obviously the fumble on the uh, the the punt return it hurt him. But that that this is going to be what Mike McCarthy is going to hang his hat on. I'm just letting you know. Greedy presented by Progressive Insurance. Save when you bundle motorcycle, RV, and boat insurance. Visit progressive.com. So look, I. I we had a fascinating conversation on this show yesterday, and, and, and the radio show, one of the reasons I love doing this is because it's an opportunity to go a little deeper into stuff than we can do on TV. And TV, everything is moving much more quickly. Sure. So what is, what is beyond dispute right now is that offensive numbers are way down. Yes. I, I'm going to use the term historically because in the world in which we live, 15 years might as well be all of history. And the numbers are literally down that significantly. QBR is down, pass block win rate is down, and scoring is down. So you say to yourself, is this a year in which a team without dynamic offense can win? Or do you say to yourself, the teams that despite that are able to pour it on, the Dolphins are pouring it on. Feels to me like when the Bills are going, they can pour it on. 
San Francisco, when they're healthy, generally has been able to pour it on offensively. I'm going to include the Lions. And if you've been yeah. listening to me for the last couple yeah. of, like, two weeks, you know I believe the Lions are the best team in the NFL. Kansas City will be there. They, they've been a little up and down. Do you give those teams the greater advantage right now, Jeff, based on their ability to do something that most other teams are not capable of doing? I do, but I would I would have said it with this caveat. San Francisco is a very physical football team along with being explosive. Detroit, very physical football team along with being explosive. The only Miami to a degree, right? They can run the football really, really well, which kind of leads to But it's because of all kind of the window dressing that Mostert and before uh, A-Chain got hurt, uh, A-Chain got hurt that, that he was racking up crazy yards as well. So these teams aren't just explosive in the air. They can play physically. And I would, I would lean that towards Philadelphia as well. When you talk about physical teams that can be explosive, Philly just hasn't hit that same explosive number. So I do, I do think they have the advantage. Your, your issue always gets to this. We talked about Miami after they hung 70, and they go play Buffalo, and, and Buffalo takes Hill basically kind of out of the game with their coverage Which schemes. is what you suggested exactly. they should do. Thank yes, you, Jeff, thank I you. It's like, almost like I know receipts. something, right? But, <laughs> but when you talk about these things, you can you can slow those high-powered yes. offenses down. And I will tell you from a guy who played 14 years on some of the most explosive offenses in, in the history of our game, when you start to struggle, the panic and the concern elevates really quickly because you're so accustomed mm. to being so efficient. When teams just kind of put a speed bump in front of you and make you extend those five-play drives to ten-play drives – and that's what good defenses and playoff defenses are going to do, it changes you. So I would lean back to the teams that you mentioned. They are explosive, and it is about – but it's about their physicality. Like, those teams go play hard at people. They protect the quarterback. They get after the quarterback. Like, all the traditional things that you go back to how you win football games, it's not just because they can go run really fast, right? I mean, Miami is a is an Olympic track team. But Mike McDaniel does not get away from the ground and pound. When he – he knows he can go at you with his running backs. He's not afraid. He'll keep churning those yards. That's what I respect about his offense. No different than San Francisco. Those style of offenses because they know at some point they're going to have to gear it down and rely on that, and it'll be there because they have trained it. Was that when you yelled at Peyton that we needed Absolutely. to run the ball more? Absolutely. And we did, and we won. If we did it his way, we wouldn't have won. That's the bottom line. That, that <laughs> sideline back and forth might genuinely be my favorite NFL Films moment ever captured. It was I fun. watch it every once in a while just to put myself in a good mood. <laughs> Quit talking, Jeff. Quit calling plays, Jeff. <laughs> just block what I say, but, Jeff. But having, Jeff worked, yeah. having worked with Jeff Saturday on the set, I get why Peyton was yelling at him. Yeah. I get it, because Jeff likes to we take all over. Do. I get it. Who's going to win this game Sunday night, uh, Kmart? Philly or the Dolphins? It's in Philadelphia. Ooh. So I would go with the Eagles, basically because I think Miami, high-powered offense, I get all that. I think when you look at Miami's schedule, the one thing you can say is – they ha- when you add up the, the win-loss records of the teams they've beaten versus the team they lost to, which was Buffalo, like they've put up gaudy numbers against some bad teams. So you go on the road in Philly, which is a very difficult place to win in, and you make a statement. I think that legitimizes who the Dolphins are and what they yeah. can be. And it's not that I doubt the, Mike McDaniel or Tua 
it is just we have to see it. Like the playoffs are about going after those, the, like bringing the fight to these really good, physical, tough Absolutely. teams. And when you think about the 49ers, when you think about the Eagles, when you think about some of these teams, it's like they they're gonna make it hard for you. Yeah. And so the Dolphins going in there, that would be a huge statement win. But I think coming off the loss to the Jets, where we've talked so much about the Eagles and Jalen Hurts did not look like the Jalen Hurts of yesteryear that we're used to. I think this is they, this is a get. They have to look at it as a get right game for them. That's why I'm gonna say the Eagles, and especially because of their front. I wonder what the Dolphins will try to do. I almost say this: this is sneaky, but this is the biggest game for the Dolphins. Mm-hmm. Maybe in this of the season. Like when I, when I tell you, I'm, I'm, because to your point, this legitimizes who they are as a football team. You go into Philly after Philly's just lost one, yes. they felt like they give away, and you go boat race this team, yes. then everybody, they will be known as the best team in the AFC, maybe the best team in the NFL. Because you're looking at a team who, like you said, hit a speed bump with Buffalo, I agree, right? Didn't play well, yeah. didn't kind of do that. Okay, so we, 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 we lost that test, or we failed that test. Mm-hmm. Now let's, we're going to get tested again. Mm-hmm. What can we do here? And it's an exciting game because the match, the style matchup for me is, super exciting and I think Philly's going to want to slow that thing down and control the tempo and get back to kind of the physicality they want to play with but to your point Mike McDaniel and the Miami Dolphin defense how are they going to come and attack Jalen Hurts I'm excited about this matchup and the other part of it is if the Eagles do lose that's two in a row yes. right home yes. game against the Dolphins where you know I mean so it, it, it the 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 uh, amount of pressure grows when you start thinking about these type of games and teams that you know you may face later I mean this 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 is not far-fetched to say these could be Super Bowl teams oh, no. so like you want to get your mind ready to see what this is going to look like I, I mean it's it's going to be a it's gonna be a fantastic game to yeah, watch we've, we've had Super Bowl previews in the past in the NFL this certainly wouldn't be a shock if yeah. it was one Greeny Kmart and Jeff Saturday okay two uh, off the beaten path questions uh, yesterday and then again today Kmart I want you to know that our friend Mr. Saturday mocked me made fun <laughs> again, of me again that is on brand for Jeffy Saturday yes because I ordered an oat milk latte now, I happen to love an oat milk latte. <laughs> Our beloved makeup artist, Laura, Laura Valentine Sylvan, is one of your favorite people yes. in the world and mine. Yes. I was feeling a little, a little tired. I, would, I, I felt I needed a little jolt. <laughs> and, uh, and so she offered to go get me a coffee, and Jeff was sitting right there. Not a coffee. Do you, not well, a, she don't said, say do coffee. you want coffee? Okay. And I said, oh, yes, please. May I have an oat milk latte? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And let me tell you. That the was at about 7.45 on- in the morning. <laughs> I heard about it through today. Yes. I continue to yes. hear about it from Jeff Saturday. Came out your reaction. <laughs> yes. Yes. Can I tell you? Can I tell you? Um, Jeffrey, the f- person who introduced me to oat milk. Was Greeny. Was, was, oh. <laughs> was Greeny. And a couple years ago, he was like, Kmart, what are you doing? <laughs> Putting regular milk in your coffee? What are yeah. you doing? Shocked. Oat milk. And I was like, really? That's weird. I will say, it has changed my life, Jeffrey. And um, you need to get on board. I mean, the man puts his feet on the desk. 
Right. His, his shoes are red bottoms. Why are yeah, you? Yeah. Why no, are you? no, no. That 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 is. It's on you brand. Are going, it's yeah, on brand. You're going more into the reality of the situation. He's taking this as just the oat milk latte that he ordered. When she <laughs> said, "Do you want coffee?" and he said, "I would love an oat milk latte." <laughs> yeah. And I just said, "My world and Greenie's world are are could not be for." I said, "I'm getting text. I got. I'm on a text chain where we have deer fighting on some cameras oh that we are God. hunting, and and I, I show oh it to Greenie's." Ordering oat milk latte, and I'm yes. like, this is what our text chain is, it's right? It's basically two Americas, like right, right here. <laughs> yes. I'm ordering an oat milk latte, and then he is, for reasons not only to him, showing me pictures of an animal he plans oh. to kill. Like, it's like, look, see this thing? It's living. Yes. Soon it won't be. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully. If, if, if I have my right. way, oh my that, that thing won't Should see you? Friday. So, so that's one conversation. Now, here's the next, and this is the really big question. This turned into a poll question, and, and both of you know my wife, Stacey. And, and like most people, you both like her better than you like me. Yes. For sure. We had a, a bit of a, a disagreement <gasps> that stemmed from uh, a, we went to a comedy show. We went to Radio City Music Hall to see a guy, I can never remember, Nate Bargatze, Bargatze, whatever, however you say yes, his Bargatze. name. Bargatze. I had never seen him. I'd never heard of him. Stace mm-hmm. and this other couple that we were friends with wanted to go see him. They're all fans of his. I said, I'm in. I loved him. He was terrific. He's unbelievable. Parenthetically, he's hosting Saturday Night Live, I just oh. saw, but whatever. He's very, very good. He was at Radio City. It's like 6,000 people. In the middle of the show, Stace elbows me and says, you're laughing too loud. <laughs> oh. And you- I said, there is no such thing as laughing too loud <laughs> at, a at a comedy show. What does that even mean? The entire purpose of this person standing up there that I paid money to watch is for him to talk and me to laugh. He's doing his job. I'm trying to do mine. Right. And she's telling me that I'm laughing too loudly. And so I'm here. I'm looking for some support. Jeff, is there such a thing as laughing too loudly? Well, I'm just going to say you have been known. Oh, wow. You have been known to try to steal the spotlight. I think Stace Stace saw, you know, listen, he's getting a little chatty over here, but everybody's beginning to look at at Greeny instead of the show that's supposed to be in front of them. He's trying to take some attention away from my man, Nate. Stace was just trying to protect the show. She understands the deep well within Mike Greenberg Mm. and understands where he is. So I sat on Stace here. Listen, she knows. She knows her man. Yeah, she knows her man. Greeny wants to, he's going to laugh a little louder. And she knows, yeah, she knows that's not his real laugh. No, no. That's a little much. That's a little much. You're, you're, you're trying to become the show instead of enjoying the show. Well, you know, he's a television host. <laughs> yes, he is. Okay, Mike. Yes. As yes, a blanket dear. question, mm-hmm. is there such a thing as laughing too loud at a comedy show? Absolutely not, Greeny, because I enjoy our little Greeny dinners when we go out as a group. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ride with you. You don't want to lose the dinners. I'm telling you right now, you're picking the wrong member of the family. <laughs> For sure. All right, no. you two are the best. Thank you, as always. Jeff, go kill something. <laughs> By the next time I see you, there will be fewer living things walking the face of planet Earth. You all got problems. Coming up, the people have spoken, and they are wrong. I'll explain why next on ESPN Radio. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. 
That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code FIRSTTAKE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more, more than, than ever. ever. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to gamble responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. This U.S. promotional offer not available in D.C., Mississippi, North Carolina, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369 for New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. For Massachusetts, 1-800-327-5050. For Iowa, 1-800-BETS-OFF. For Puerto Rico, 1-800-981-0023. For West Virginia, Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. First bet offer for new customers only. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. In partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Greeny, the podcast. So ESPN Radio's Twitter feed put up the poll question yesterday. Can you laugh too loud at a comedy show? And inexplicably, the people voted yes. I don't understand this. I, I don't want to get completely sidetracked by this because we have a ton of things to get to on this very busy moment in sports. My wife responded to it. Of course, she was the one who started it. She wrote back definitely because she was the one who was initially put off by the loudness, the volume of my laughing. But I would listen. All I can say is I will go to my grave saying you cannot laugh too loudly at a comedy show. So you're saying 63% of our audience is wrong? Yes, I just said that. You weren't here because you were doing a podcast with Buster when I was, I, my tease was, mm-hmm. the people have spoken and the people are wrong. Oh, the American people could never be this wrong about something. Now, the American people have long, have many times been much wronger about much more important things than they've been about this. I'm here to tell you right now, you can't laugh too loud at a comedy show and that's that. Rolling along, the assembled members of the hashtag crew have assembled around me. Hembo is here. Bubba and Cam are there. Social media is always available at ESPN Greeny. Twitter. Instagram and threads next the scoop the Patriots stink on ice the numbers just keep coming in and and maybe you have to tell me Hembo am I disproportionately fascinated by this maybe it is because I have spent what feels like my entire life and, and certainly it hasn't been but two decades in sports terminology these days is a lifetime just looking up at Belichick and feeling so overwhelmed by him. Again, to make clear for everyone listening around the country, not only has Belichick been in the same division with my team all this time, but 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 we were the spurned, uh, you know, we were the scorned, what, what's the word I'm looking for? He left us at the altar. I mean, he was the head coach of the Jets, the HC of the NYJ for one day, decided to leave and now built this dynasty in New England. So the fact that it has not crumbled, it has collapsed this quickly for whatever reason, I can't turn away from it. It's, it's what do they say about a traffic jam? Like I'm a rubber rubber necking, yeah. Yeah. The Patriots are a nine-and-a-half-point dog to the Bills this week. Do you know the last time they were a home underdog of that many points was the first game Tom Brady ever started? Literally from the first 
time. Tom Brady started an NFL game. The Patriots have never been this heavy an underdog in their own building. These numbers just keep coming in, and I keep being fascinated by them. I don't know if anyone else is as interested as I am, but the absolute collapse of the Patriots fascinates me. I mean, we still talk about the fall of the Roman uh, Empire today. Like, if, <laughs> if Nick Saban was 1-5, in five, we would be talking a lot about Nick Saban being 1-5. in five. That's true. I don't, I don't think that you're overdoing this. This is, I think, at least inarguably the greatest coach in football history, or at least in the Super Bowl era, and he might have the worst team in the whole league now. This is, this is as big a story as we have in the NFL, in my judgment, and I think the very, very interesting element of this, in addition to them just being bad, is how they got here. We talked last week about the fact that they have been able to find no skill position players on offense in the draft and all, you know, all those things. Bill Belichick has his hand on literally every single thing in the whole operation, and yet he has still picked his players over the last few years like Tom Brady is still his quarterback. If you ask me to say the single biggest problem, the single biggest reason why they're here— that would be the answer. Yeah, I think that's right. So what you're saying is that he is the single biggest reason why they have collapsed. Yes, and that you're not overdoing it in your obsession with the story. And, and so let me also point out an irony in that. The most commonly used expression in sports now for coaches and talent evaluators and talent accumulators is if they're going to let you... If they want you to cook the dinner, you might as well let you shop for some of the groceries. Do you know where that actually began? That began with Bill Parcells in New England. Parcells left New England with the owner, Bob Kraft, largely because Bob Kraft wouldn't give him the authority to do exactly what he has given Bill Belichick the authority to do. And ultimately, we're saying it has been Belichick's downfall, and I guess the downfall of the team. Here's the Bill Parcells cut. They want you to cook the dinner. At least they ought to let you shop for some of the groceries. That's where it began. And that was his explanation for leaving the Patriots. He left the Patriots to go to the Jets. Took the Jets to the AFC Championship game. Then, all of a sudden, he retires. Belichick is supposed to take over. One day later, he resigns by writing on the back of a napkin, I no longer am the HC of the NYJ, goes to New England. They give him this power. He puts together a 20-year dynastic run about Tom Brady, and here he is all of a sudden. He can't cook the dinner because the groceries stink. And speaking of Tom Brady, in an honest moment, maybe after he has, I don't know, some sort of fancy cocktail, whatever he drinks, I, do, I would die to know. I would die to know the answer to, do you actually get some sick satisfaction out of this? Because I would have to imagine that human nature would say, I'm loving every time they lose. Hell yes. Has to, right? I don't know that you would... would what sick sensei? I mean, what, why, why would you... That is absolutely human nature. I, I, let me just tell you something, okay? I hope that you and your beautiful wife, Lizzie, are married forever. But if for whatever reason, she should decide to move on from you, what you will hope is that whoever it is she marries next will be awful. You will not be thinking, boy, well, let's just hope that, uh, it, listen, when this thing ends, I hope that Lizzie marries George Clooney. Like in a perfect world, George Clooney will be available and will decide to marry Lizzie. No, no, no. That's not who you want marrying Lizzie. You want her marrying Ryan Rucco. You want her, uh, no, or no. Or Jimmy don't, G. Don't knock Ryan. Why would you say that about Ryan Rucco? Because we talked about him last week. 
What does the fact that we talked about him last week have to do with anything? Because she was on the road with him in Vegas. He's on the table. He sent a picture of her uh, a ringless finger. No, I, I mean, George Clooney it. could be potentially like 80 around this when this divorce even more money. happened. So, I mean, even more I, money. It might actually might not be that good of a, a move for her. Here's what I would say. She just went to Vegas without her wedding ring. She could leave Hembo tomorrow. Uh, so, I mean, George Clooney could be one day older than he is right now. I mean, that's, that's 62, then. We're talking about this like it isn't a possibility. Let me tell you this. George Clooney at 62 is 10,000 times better than Hembo at 32. Oh, no question. Oh, I, I, no debate right. there. There's not no arguing comparison. that. Not Hembo, arguing. Could be, Hembo could be a toddler, and I don't think that the age difference <laughs> would be skewed in his favor in this comparison, okay? So all I'm saying, I don't even know how we got to this. Uh, the point, oh, yes, Tom Brady, Tom Brady. is basking in this basking loving every second of it and i guarantee you he's not even that quiet about well, it. well on his on his podcast because of course he, he has a podcast let's go he, he spoke glowingly about bill belichick as recently as last week when yeah. when asked him so i mean the, the official line in the sand here is they should keep taking the same approach he's the greatest coach of all time right i have to agree with you though he he has to love what he's saying yes do you think that while lizzie is married to george clooney she's going to be like yeah hembo was a dope and i couldn't stand him and he wore bad shirts no she's going to say nice things about you they will be glowing and then privately she and all her friends will be laughing that's the worst kind that the 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 pity compliment right that's what that is that's exactly, patronizing comment you know what it is it's taking a knee instead of scoring points at the end of a game to tack on. It's actually more insulting. We don't even need the points. That's exactly right. I feel so sorry for you. I'm going to stop trying. That's what that is. All right, a reminder, no matter where you are, you can always listen to this program. Hashtag Greeny. We're on the ESPN app. We're on Sirius XM Channel 80. If you miss anything, we're a podcast. Both hours available anytime you want us. A daily available anywhere you get your podcasts. And you can watch us on the ESPN app. Just click on watch. Look for hashtag Greeny. And we hope you will enjoy. So that's all the places we are. Here's what we're doing next. I'm ready to go right now. Green light, Green light. with Greeny. Against my better judgment, I'm giving the green light to Hembo here because his, he is in his glory. The Phillies are delightedly happy. We may have something to do with Cam a little bit later here. Cam, you're going to like this. Hembo came up with an idea for something that we're going to consider doing for you. Oh, boy. So and you're, you're going to be the beneficiary of this, I will tell you is that. Is that a threat or is it a promise? No, in this case, it is actually a promise. Um, so go ahead, Hembo. I'm going to give you the green light. Go wherever you want as your Phillies right now might be as hot as any baseball team I've literally really ever seen in my life it's, it's just not supposed to be this easy 10 to nothing we can we can knock the Diamondbacks for not being a good regular season team but this is the same Diamondbacks team that swept Milwaukee in Milwaukee and bum rushed the Los Angeles Dodgers Clayton Kershaw got one out against this lineup that has forgotten how to play baseball in Citizens Bank Park yesterday it was Kyle Schwarber's turn he hadn't hit for much at the postseason but now he has three homers in his last two games two bombs yesterday Trey Turner added one. This team is an absolutely well-oiled machine. And lest we forget, Aaron Nola, parenthetically, throws six shutout innings. He's making himself millions of dollars every single time he pitches now in the postseason. He's an impending free agent. He's going to make a lot of money uh, out of this. What you're seeing right now is a team clicking on all cylinders that you rarely see. I mean, the Phillies were a very good team this season. But they weren't anywhere near the best team in baseball during the regular season. But right now, they've got the best lineup in the sport. They've got the best pitching staff in the sport. And they're winning games with football scores because of it. Yeah, they scored almost as many points last night as the Eagles did on Sunday. The Eagles had 12. <laughs> they had 10 last. Oh, excuse me. The Eagles had 
Yeah, 12. No, 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 no. The Jets won that game. 20, 14. 14. They had 14. The Jets had. They could have scored 14 yesterday if they wanted to. Yeah, probably. But they, you know, they felt sorry for their opposition, so they <laughs> took a knee. No, no. And, and, and the Schwarber thing, I can't remember how we started talking about Reggie Jackson yesterday, but we did at, at, at length on this show. And so I took particular note of it. If you were listening yesterday, you know how I feel about Reggie. Any kid who grew up in New York in the 70s, Reggie is an icon, um, like a larger-than-life kind of icon. Like there, he, was a, he was a superstar at a time when that wasn't even a word that we used. Like the three, in my mind, the three original sports, quote-unquote, superstars, and O.J. Simpson really had this attached to him, and you won't, you're not old enough to remember, but there was a, a commercial, the superstar of Rent-A-Car huh. was, was O.J.'s commercial, um, but O.J. Simpson, Joe Namath, and Reggie Jackson, those were the three, I think, sort of original superstar athletes. They, they transcended sports. They became famous amongst people who had nothing to do, who were not sports fans. That today is extremely commonplace. In those days, it was not. Anyway, the point is, before he was anything else, Reggie was as good a left-handed hitter as I've ever seen in big spots. Schwarber has now hit as many home runs as Reggie Jackson in the playoffs. They share the all-time record with 18 home runs among left-handed hitters. And Schwarber did it in 17 fewer games. I mean, obviously the game is different. It's much easier to hit a home run now right. than it used to be. But that's a pretty loud number. And he's doing it, you know, he's doing it against some lesser teams. In, in some cases, he's doing it against the sixth best team, which Reggie didn't get a chance to face. Yes, th- there are more rounds. But this is just an example of the, the, the clout in the Phillies lineup. I mean, on, every day it's someone different. And it's not just the home runs, though. They, they've hit 19 home runs in the playoffs. But 16 of them have been solo home runs. This is a team that can also manufacture runs. By the way, they went on to score seven more runs without homering. It's an incredibly important attribute for a team in, in, in baseball. Can you homer and can you manufacture? And in the Phillies case, the answer to both questions is yes. All right. Greeny with you here. A reminder, the road to the World Series goes through ESPN Radio. Catch all the postseason action on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. The Merrill Kelly thing, is this a big deal? Do we want to play this? Yes, you're going to want to play this because for the second time in as many series, someone on the other team facing the Phillies shot themselves in the foot. Okay, so this is Merrill Kelly, Diamondbacks pitcher. This is two days ago. Bear in mind, he claims his comments were taken out of context, but this was Merrill Kelly of Arizona talking about the atmosphere at this ballpark in Philadelphia. Go back to the Korean series that you were talking about. Obviously, their fans are, they cheer a little bit differently than we do. Um, each offensive player that comes up to the plate, they have their own fight song. Um, so when it was the, the championship series, um, it was about 30,000 people in Seoul. About 15,000 of it at a time would be singing in unison um, for whatever hitter was up and they don't stop until the next hitter comes up Um, and then going into the WBC game um, yeah I think that I haven't obviously heard this place on the field um, but I'd be very surprised if it if it trumped that Venezuela game um, down in Miami Uh, when Trey hit that grand slam uh, I mean I don't think I've ever experienced uh, at least baseball wise I don't think I've ever experienced a atmosphere like that Um, so I hope that you know this isn't louder than that. So that's Merrill Kelly basically saying that whatever, as as he was going into it, whatever the atmosphere is in Philly, it will not be greater than it was at the WBC. I mean, I don't think those were that bad at all. I I don't understand why people were making that big of a deal. If we're we're comparing those to Spencer Stride, I don't think it's... I heard people say, like, oh, Merrill Kelly said something bad. I don't think that's bad at all. I mean, people were raving about how the WBC... I heard multiple people say the crowds of the WBC were the loudest crowds they've ever experienced in their life. So I, I don't understand what's so bad about that. And he said he's he hasn't been to Philly yet, and he'll see what it's like 
And I, I don't I don't think what's so bad about that. What what do you think is so bad about that? Hembo? It's not that they're so bad. It's just that you're poking the bear. You're just poking the bear for a sec- for, for the second time in as many series. Phillies fans were chanting Merrill yesterday all game long, and he wound up giving up three home runs. All I'm saying is that it's an unforced error. You're going into hostile environment, and you're making it more hostile. I, think I mean, I guess way. I don't even look at it as like he was criticized. I mean, I mean, maybe a, a little. I guess there's no point even bringing it up to a degree, but I just didn't even see like he was. It is a perfectly legitimate answer to a reasonable question. Right, hey, yeah. everyone's talking about the incredible atmosphere at this ballpark in Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. What are your expectations? Well, I pitched in the World Baseball Classic. It was insane. The fans had their own chants. They had their own cheers. They had their own songs. I haven't done this yet. I can't imagine it's going to be any louder than that, but we'll see. Like, that is actually a reasonable answer to a question. The response is predictable because you're going to use anything you can of course. to get on the guy. But there isn't, even you know, there isn't anything actually wrong. No, I'm I'm not arguing that there's something wrong. I'm just saying that 45,000 people in Philadelphia yesterday took issue with it, and it was way louder than it was when we played Venezuela. That's all that I'm saying. You don't know that it was louder than it was when we played Venezuela. We had had the decibel levels uh, on the broadcast to get up to like 115. Like it was an incredible. What were the decibel levels when we played Venezuela? I don't know. Yeah, exactly. That's what I thought. All I'm saying is that for the second straight series, someone on the other team said something that was pretty benign. That was amplified, and the Phillies went on to win and use it as a motivation. That's all that I'm saying. I don't think it has anything whatsoever to do with what's happening in these games, do you? (laughs) The Phillies didn't use it as motivation. The fans may have used it as motivation. What I don't know Mm -hmm. is how much, if any, impact the fans are having on the games. Is it just... So you are a person who, who, for whom numbers are everything, and the numbers would suggest that the Phillies' home field advantage has been ridiculously good. And I do always go back to the old Seinfeld reference. There were no big coincidences and small coincidences. There are just coincidences. Is it possible that this is a coincidence that the Phillies have just been unstoppable at home and their fans are as loud and raucous as anything we've ever seen? Or is there actually a cause and effect here? I think B, primarily because this is now a thing that has occurred since the inception of the ballpark. The teams in 2008 through 2011, that was the other like, good era of Phillies baseball, they wanted a high clip too. So it, it, the, the record is now 28-11 and 11 since then, like, you know, for the duration of the whole stadium, which is the best record in baseball history, the best record of its kind in baseball history. And the other reason why I do think it matters, Greeny, and I'd be curious to talk to a player about this, but baseball is a sport that's much more closely attached, mentally at least, to something like golf or like tennis. Like these are fine motor skills, your hand-eye coordination. You're not used to playing baseball in an environment like this. Like this is very atypical for a sport to where being amped, being energized is not an asset. It's, it's, it's a liability. And so if you're not prepared for it, or if you've never experienced anything quite like it, unless you're Merrill Kelly, of course, you're not prepared for how you're going to feel in those moments. Todd Helton once legendarily said, how do you perform when there are people in the upper deck, Right. That's what's happening in every single game that at least feels, it seems, to be making an actual difference. All right, Hembo is now going to make Merrill Kelly into a Merrill. verb. Yeah, he's, he's going to... This poor kid didn't say anything wrong whatsoever, and Hembo has given him a hard time because he is a person who has nothing but evil in his heart. Mm. Uh, as we continue in a moment, the GOAT has spoken, and what he said was fascinating. You'll hear it next on ESPN Radio. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. 
Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Greeny, the podcast. Before we get to what the GOAT himself said, which is, by the way, both fascinating and correct, Bubba dug this up, so let's hear it. It's a night that... If you're old enough to remember it, you will never forget. Jackson with four runs batted in and sends a fly ball to center field and deep. That's going to be way back and that's going to be gone. Reggie Jackson has hit his third home run of the game. Reggie Jackson becomes the second man in World Series history to hit three home runs in a game. So that was a night, of course, that you never forget. The first to do it was... Babe Ruth. Babe so, Ruth did it twice. Reggie and actually. Babe Ruth who did it twice. By the way, you real quick, you, you I'm, I'm sure know this, but as a reminder, Reggie also homered off of Don Sutton in his last at bat in game five, mm-hmm. meaning he homered in four consecutive pitches he saw, or four, uh, four consecutive swings, I should say, in the World Series. Yeah. I, I was at, I want to say game one or two. The fact that I can't remember now which it was hmm. embarrasses me, but I was 10 years old, and the Yankees played, so this was the previous year. And the Yankees play the Dodgers in the World Series. And a girl in my class named Lee Harper Marshall, her father had tickets, and they brought me to the game. And when I tell you she became my favorite person in the entire world forever, we went to a World Series game. And I'll never forget, I'm sitting there with her dad, really, really good seats. And a foul ball is hit near us. We're on the first base side. And a foul ball is hit, and there's like, we're in the front, not the front row of the ballpark, don't get me wrong, but we're right in front of me is a rail, and in front of that is a walkway, like, you know, a, a, an aisle. And a foul ball is hit, and it sort of is in that area. It's kind of meshed. And I, because I'm a dopey 10-year-old kid, dive down there like I'm going to get this ball. And the next thing I knew, I was swarmed. I mean, there was like, you know, 70 people who were adults jumped down at the same time. And I, and poor Lee Harper Marshall's father, mm. um, who was a very nice man, was hysterical because he just took this 10-year-old to a baseball game and I'm being flattened. I mean, I'm being trampled at the bottom of this. And and the the moral of the story, parenthetically, is by no means that I get the baseball. I've told that story a million times and everyone always thinks, and you're going to tell me you got the ball, didn't you? Hell no. I didn't get (laughs) near the ball. So I got knocked down. I got a little scrape here. I had a bruise and that kind of stuff. But but I did not get anywhere near the ball. You said this was seventy six. No, seventy seven. Okay, was it was seventy seven? It was it was the but it was earlier in the series. It was it was he did it in game six, right? He did it in game six. The home runs were game six. This was either game one or two. So were they still playing day games? No, this was at night. It was at night. It was at night. I remember his six home, his three home run game was at night. But it, it was at night, and they let us go on a school. My parents let me go on a school wow. night. I mean, this was a very big deal, as evidenced by the fact that forty six years later, I still and how remember. Is, uh, how is Lee doing these days? I don't know. I've lost t- I've lost touch with Lee Harper Marshall, but I hope that she is well. Okay, Greeny, with you next order of business. I'm sorry. What? 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 I'm sorry. What? What? I'm sorry. What? I'm sorry, what? You referenced Tom Brady on his podcast, the Let's Go podcast. He said another thing that's gotten a lot of attention um, uh, on it the other day. So I'm going to play it for you here, talking about the physical element of football and how, to some degree, we may be losing it. You know, this isn't touch football. This is real football. And I think the physicality, which people really enjoy, I certainly enjoyed. I, I love that physical element of the sport. I don't think we should ever lose that. And I think that we are, you know, there's so many people that are, you know, want it less and less physical. It's a, it's it's more like flag football, which is going to be in the Olympics in 
2028. You know, which maybe football goes to flag football over a period of time. And I don't think fans will like that that much. Then everyone should stop about, you know, unnecessary roughness calls. Isn't that interesting to hear Tom Brady of all people saying that Tom Brady, who was able to play till he was 45, maybe at least in some part because quarterbacks are protected in the game. But it did make me think about this. And I think it's an interesting question. Because I am of an age, I fell in love with a sport in the 1970s that is no longer played. And and when Dick Buckus died a couple of weeks ago and we talked about it and we run all that old footage, like, you don't even recognize it. Like, when my son Stevie sees, like, some of the hits that were routinely taking place in games in the 70s and 80s, he can't believe it. He's like, Dad, that was allowed? <laughs> like, that was, yes, that was allowed. I mean, it was it was the level of violence that existed in the sport, and I do believe that contributed greatly to the, the growth in popularity of the sport. That, that certainly has been legislated out, I think for great reasons, because it is an inherently violent and dangerous game, but they have done everything they can, I believe correctly, to make it as, to make as little danger as it can be. I'm, I'm not sure what the phraseology of that is that I'm looking for to mitigate as much of the actual real danger uh, as they possibly can while balancing that fine line between not taking out the sort of gladiator element of it. So it does bring up the question in the world in which we live today, is the sport actually better than it was then? Look at the things that we have going in the game today. You know what would have been as interesting then? Fantasy football. We didn't have nearly the same level of offensive numbers, nearly the same firepower. Look at the people who are fans of this sport now. It's not the traditional sports fans that we had in the past. Is the game a more attractive product to a larger number of people today than the game I fell in love with in the 70s was? Yes, it is. I think what Tom Brady is saying, I think he's candidly echoing the sentiments of a lot of people. But I think what Tom, what Tom Brady is saying is in some sense a reflection of his age now that he's not playing anymore, too, I think he probably notices when he's watching these games on TV that this doesn't look exactly like I would, uh, would prefer. But there's also an element, Greeny, like, where anything, like, anything that, you, that you love or that you loved, you always remember it more fondly, perhaps, than it actually was. There's just, I think, a sense to always assume things used to be better when I don't think No, that, but this doesn't apply to that. No, no. I that? know what you mean because it is so different. Like, you, you can genuinely it's, – it's one thing for me to say I thought this player was better than this player. Right. Oscar Robertson was better than him. But this is literally like – I'm going to give you an analogy. Because I lived in Chicago and New York all my life, people ask me all the time, well, which do you like better, New York pizza or Chicago pizza? And I always say that's not a reasonable comparison. They aren't the same thing. The fact that they are both made of dough, tomato sauce, and cheese does not mean they're the same thing. They're not, a, they're not attempting to accomplish the same goals. And anyone who's ever had both of them, I think, knows what I'm talking about. Pro football was so violent. You've seen the video, but you're not old enough to have seen it. Mm-mm. I mean, they, I mean, Jack Tatum would have been thrown out of the league in 10 minutes. I think he's in the Hall of Fame. He is, yeah. He's one of the greatest players ever. Dick Butkus, Dick Butkus wouldn't have even gotten to the stadium. I don't know that Lawrence Taylor could have played in today's game. It's, it is genuinely a different product. So I don't know that it is as much, well, everything was better back mm-hmm. then. They really have changed it. I don't disagree. Well, I certainly accept the fact that some people can say, I liked that better. I don't think that that necessarily follows that it would have become 
as popular as it has if they hadn't made the changes. This is a complicated, it's actually a better topic than I realized. So let's sit on this a minute. We're going to take a break. Jess Mendoza is going to come in here for a little while. We'll do some baseball with her. But this conversation will continue on ESPN Radio. Thanks for listening to Greeny the Podcast. You can listen live each weekday morning at 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio. Or watch the show through the Watch tab on the ESPN app. Also catch Greeny on Get Up weekday mornings at 8 on ESPN and also available wherever you get your podcast. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. 